Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast, where we want to know God, find life, make a difference, and reach our world. If you have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can always check us out online simply by going to gracelife.church or on our YouTube channel. You can always find video content of all our messages as well as services for your preschool and elementary school kids. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Grace Life. So glad to be worshiping with you. Would you do me a favor? Put your hands together. Help me welcome all of our first-time guests, those of you that are in the room as well as those of you online. So glad to have you worshiping with us. Hey, I want to take a minute before we go any further and call attention to the announcement you just saw about our Christmas services because things are going to be a little different this year with COVID. So the first thing we want you to know is that for any in-person worship service here in the building, you do have to register because we need to make sure that we have safe space as well as that we have space because sometimes our Christmas services do get crowded. So let me walk you through this. We actually have two of our four services that are going to have full social distancing measures and we will be enforcing those. That will be the Wednesday evening service on the 23rd as well as the first service on Christmas Eve. And then we will have two other services on Christmas Eve where we honestly do expect crowds to come as well as those services will be broadcast online. So we actually have three different options online potentially crowded and very safe. And so uh, we're going to let you choose which one of those is the best for you. But please, if you do want to be here in person, make sure that you go and register. Uh, There you go. Who's excited about Christmas? I am. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Hey, we're going to do something a little different uh, for the next two weeks. We've got what we're calling, I guess, a mini-series. The truth is it's it's really just two messages on something I've been thinking about uh, for years, honestly, as I've been reading through Scripture and just kind of noticing a word. There's a, there's a word that kind of got my attention over time. And, you know, th- we're about to talk about this word a lot. So this is why I thought I'd stick this right in front of Christmas. And, and the word is glory. And, and, you know, we use that word a lot, right? Anybody, sometimes we use words that we, we sneak into sentences and we've figured out which sentences to put them in. But we, we probably couldn't define the word if we had to. Like, I mean, come on, Christmas, you know, we know angels are going to get together and sing glory to God in the highest, right? And, uh, you know, all the time we talk, we go around and talk about anytime something good happens, we say, give glory to God. And uh, any good Southerners in the room, I grew up in the South with old Southerners going, well, glory be, you know, so, you know, we got the word and we can stick it in sentences, but if we actually had to sit down and define what is glory and how do we handle glory in the way God would want us to how do we give glory in the way that God would want us to? That's really just kind of some of the thoughts I was having. So I went and I just looked at every scripture the Bible has on glory, did, did some study, and, and I saw a couple of things. So the first one for this series, uh, we, we kind of need to give some handles, an idea. How are we going to define the word glory? And, and there are a couple of nuances that you can use as you look throughout scripture. But what I want us to look at as we're talking about glory for these two weeks is we're going to talk about something that is worthy of unusual honor. And, and that's where we're going to get this, this idea of glory from. So every time we use the word glory for these two weeks, we're, we're looking at something that is worthy of unusual honor, giving that unusual honor to something because it's worthy. And what I noticed as I was looking through Scripture, obviously the one you wouldn't be surprised about is that God deserves glory. I mean, come on, everybody knows that one, right? And so we're going to talk about glory for God in part two. But we're going to talk about the strange one to start the message because as I began to look through all of these different verses, I noticed that it talked about there being glory for man. I mean, that's a little scary, right? I mean, because 
I mean, glory for man, humans having glory, wanting glory, trying to get glory, that really kind of sounds like a recipe for trouble. I mean, if, if, is anybody familiar with the story in the Bible of, of a guy who didn't give the right glory and ended up dead? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm going to share it with you. It's only about three sentences here, and it comes out of the story of Acts 12. So, so check this out. It says, on an appointed day, Herod, who was a king, so King Herod, he put on his royal robes, he took a seat upon the throne, and he delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not of a man. And apparently he thought, well, that's a nice compliment. <laughs> because it says, immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to God. And when you read stories like that, you think, man, I want to make sure I don't end up like him. And anybody thinks the Bible is funny like me? Because the next part of that verse is just really funny. Because not only did the angel of the Lord struck him down, but they just let us know. And he was also eaten by worms and then breathed his last. We were joking today if it really all happened in exactly that order. Because I would have preferred to breathe my last right before the worm fest. You know, if I had a choice in this thing. So, But here's a logical thought. God is worthy of glory. God is glorious. God is deserving of all glory. And yet we're made in his image. We're his prized creation. Is it possible that something he would make in his image that is his prized creation, he would also intend for some type of glory? Quite possibly. And the reason this is important for us is because I hope some of you are, are like me here today, and that is that you want everything that God wants you to experience without ending up like King Herod. Come on, anybody like me, you want everything God wants for you except being eaten by worms and struck by an angel of the Lord. So that's what we're going to talk about, the, the concept of glory for man. So it turns out, actually, that God intends for there to be glory for mankind. I'm, I'm going to walk you through a couple of things I found in Scripture just real quick to kind of lay a foundation. The first kind of glory that God intends for mankind is to be an image bearer of God to the world that we live in. You see, the Bible says, and, and God says, look, everybody should be able to look at the world and know that, that I'm here. There's a creator. There's a God. There's, there's a great being. But how do we know what that God is like? How do we know who he is? Well, we know one of those answers, the primary answer, is that he's revealed himself in his word very detailed, and we can know everything that we need to know about him through this. But the Bible goes on to say that actually people can know who he is by looking at us, because we reflect the glory of the Lord to this world, that every single day, even though we're fallen and we're broken, we are made in his image, and every day we're supposed to wake up and become more like him, so when the world sees us, they see more of him every single time. Check this out, of Second Corinthians says that we, who with unveiled face all reflect the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into his image with intensifying glory. That means the longer we live and the more that we become like God, the closer we get to him, the more that the glory God intends for us to share actually is more and more intense. Why? Because people are seeing God. And that is our great privilege of glory, to reflect God to this world. Anybody ever have uh, glow-in-the-dark stuff in your room when you were a kid? And you got little glow-in-the-dark stickers, you know, you stick up on the ceiling sort of thing. And, and you know, they don't work if, if they're not in the light, you, you've got to like turn the light on all day long and keep the light on. And when the light is on and when you turn the light off, suddenly you've got all these little things glowing in the dark. That's us made in the image of God. 
When we get close to God and we experience him and we see his glory, we get to show his glory to the world. We're like the glow-in-the-dark stars stuck on every kid's ceiling. That's, that's what God wants us to be to the world. I don't know if you know the story, the story of Moses when uh, God took him up to the top of a mountain, gave him the Ten Commandments and had a little issue there. Commandments ended up broken. The stones ended up broken. And so uh, God and Moses had a conversation. Moses said, hey, I, I really... I want you to show me your glory. Like this, this thing about you that is so worthy of an unusual honor. Could, could you share that with me in a way that I can see? Can, can you show me your glory? And God says, okay. So the next time that Moses goes up to the top of the mountain, God shows him as much of his glory as he can handle. And Moses comes back down from the mountain and he is shining, his face is shining so brightly that they actually have to cover him with a veil because people can't look at him because he's the glow-in-the-dark star that is shining so bright, it's brighter than if the light bulb had been on, right, you know? And imagine like a beekeeper's helmet. I just think it's funny, imagine Moses walking around the rest of the time with like a beekeeper's helmet on, just like this. Well, I got too close to God. I don't know, that'd be pretty cool. I mean, I wouldn't really want to spend the rest of my life wearing a beekeeper's helmet, but if the reason was because I got too close to God, that'd be pretty cool. I could, I could handle that. The question, how brightly do we reflect the glory of God to this world? Because, see, that's some of the glory that God intends for us to have, is to be an image bearer for him. The other glory, second type of glory God is giving us to experience is simply to be counted among his people in this world, to be counted among the people of God. If you go back and study scripture all the way from the Old Testament, even up to this very day, it is expected for God's people to actually stand out because we're God's people. And because we're God's people, we have the favor and the blessing of God on our lives. And so everyone is supposed to look at us and go, I want that that they're supposed to see that God's people are different, that they are special because God's favor is upon them. I, I, the best example I can give you is I think of something like Veterans Day. And, and you know, you, you have these big celebrations, and they say, would everybody who's, you know, veterans stand up, and they stand up, and we're all cheering for them because they know that the country we have, the freedom we have, and everything is a result of what they have given. And, and so you, you just have that moment. I'm, I'm going to be honest, as, as they stand there and, and they, they stand straight, by the way, because, well, first of all, they were trained to, right? And I'm looking and just thinking, I want that. Because, see, I, I wasn't in the military. I, I never took that choice. And no one has ever said, would everybody who went to a state college and played in the band stand up? We're going to clap for you. That, that never happens. And, and there's this moment where you're looking at all of the veterans who have, they're, they're special. They've done something special. And you go, I'd like to be a part of that. And God says, that's what I want the rest of the world to see when they look at my people, that they would want to be one of my people because they would see the favor of me on their lives. Jeremiah 2 gives us this example. It says, as a nation changed its gods, even though they're not actually gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. See, Jeremiah is actually calling them out. God speaking through Jeremiah is calling them out because what they have done is they've turned away from God to follow other idols. And God says, you just gave up your glory. Your glory was when the entire world looked at you and said, wow, you guys are amazing. Like your God must be the real God. Your, your lives are, are 
different? Can we be like you? And you gave that up. And now I'm going to have to come and, and, and bring some correction. And because of that, you're not going to look like my people. You're going to look like everybody else on the earth because you're going to experience some of the stuff they're experiencing. And you have lost the glory of having the world look at you and go, I want to be one of you. And if we want to bring this relevant to today, if we talk about the glory we're supposed to have being counted among God's people, I would say the biggest struggle we have today is that our culture has made it not glorious to be counted among the people of God. You guys know what I'm talking about? I mean, matter of fact, some of us go out of our way to not be counted among the people of God. Some of us are very slow to say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus did to me. Yeah, yeah, I, I read my Bible. Yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I believe in the Bible. We're, we're getting a little more and more reluctant to, to talk about the glory we're supposed to have. And if I understand what what Jeremiah is talking about there, I, I get a little concerned because what it means is we're trading the glory we're supposed to have for the sake of fitting into a fallen world. There's another glory we're supposed to have. This one is pretty cool because it's, it's a future glory. We just did a series on heaven and hell. As we talked about heaven and hell, what we discovered is that one is glorious and is made for us, and the other is neither of those. And see, we're intended for a future glory that doesn't compare with anything. Romans 8 says, look, now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That should just like make you go, wow. And he goes on to explain what that means. That means if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Just think about that for a minute. When you're having a really bad day or, or you're going through something that, that's a, a medical struggle or a relational struggle and, and it doesn't seem like all the answers are there and you're saying, whoa, what is going on? Just remember to the degree that we share in the sufferings of Christ as he died on a cross as an innocent man, as we share in those sufferings that we're going to actually, blows my mind, get to share in the glory of the Son of God? We're going to get to, to, to partake in that? Yes, because we're also children of God. Jesus is the big brother. We get what he earned for us to share in that glory. That's why Paul goes on and keeps saying, that's why I consider that our current present sufferings, man, they are not even worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Wow. And then one more. And by the way, when I say one more, I just need you to know, like, if we were to really, like, examine everything the Bible says about glory, we'd have to do a whole year. That'd be the truth with pretty much anything the Bible talks about. It always goes so much deeper than what I can share in a few minutes. And so I, I, I took some that I thought were the most relevant uh, examples of the glory that God intended for us. And, and the last one, though, is, is I think really special. I think it's going to help us live our lives differently. And it is that we would live a purpose-filled life. You see, the Bible tells us that we're actually his workmanship. And you've, many of you have maybe heard me preach this because I'd stick this verse into every message I can because I think it's so important for us to remember we're his workmanship. We're not mass-produced, not biological accidents. But every single one of us, God made us. And God said, look, I'm going to make Ryan, and Ryan is going to be Ryan, and, and he's going to be so special. He's, Ryan's going to do things can't, can't do and I'm just, because Ryan is my workmanship. And then it says, not only are we as workmanship, but we were created for good works. 
meaning that God made every single one of us to reflect his glory, to do something on the earth that would show him and that would, that would give us what I, I would call a righteous fulfillment, that would make us want to get out of bed every day. Romans 2 says, he will render to each one of us according to his works. What is he going to give us? Glory and honor. Unusual honor and then honor and peace to everyone who does good. And look, this isn't just talking about someday in heaven. It's talking about right now on earth as we are the people God has made us to be, as we live the lives that God has given us to do the very thing God has given us. We can experience this righteous fulfillment. Everybody just think for a minute. I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Think back to one of, of your favorite memories in life. All right, you got that? Some of us, we just thought of our, our favorite holiday, you know, when you were four or whatever you remembered or something. We, we thought of a special family time. But many of us, we thought of, and we wouldn't have worded it this way, but we thought of a moment of glory. Think about it. We remembered that time that we made the game-winning shot and everybody cheered and they threw you up on their shoulders and carried you across the court or whatever and you just thought, man, this is like a highlight of my life, right? Or maybe we thought about performing on a big stage to a standing room only crowd. And when, when you finished and you stood up to bow and everybody is on their feet and they're cheering and you have that moment where you're like, you know, we're, we're experiencing a moment of glory. I'm going to tell you the truth, I got one of those moments. It's not because I'm good, it's because I'm sneaky. See, I, I graduated with a, a piano performance degree. I'm a, I'm a concert pianist and, and uh, we were required as music majors for a grade. We had to go to 10 concerts every semester. But we're busy because we're playing our own concerts and going to class and writing papers. So what always happened is we got down to the last 11 concerts and figured out how to go to 10 of them. And you get down to the last five and figure out you can't miss any of them. So I scheduled my recital as the last one of the semester. So it'd be absolutely packed room. Like every music major in the building and the whole university, they got to be there because I guarantee you somebody doesn't have number 10 and I'm the last one. So sure enough, man, I get to go out on stage and the room is packed. And I'm not the favorite student. I'm not the best student. But for a moment, I felt amazing. One of my favorite memories. See, our favorite memories quite often come from a moment of earthly glory. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that kind of feeling, that moment where everybody cheered for you because you just won the championship, that moment where everybody is cheering for you because of how well you just played or how great of a speech you just gave or a poem you wrote or, or, or your, your artwork just won and everybody's, whatever that is, I want you to take that feeling and think, what if I could feel that when I'm doing what God made me to do? Right? What if I could do that when I'm praying for somebody and they get healed and they stand up and say, glory to God, and I think, wow, my life has like powerful purpose on planet Earth. What if you could do that like when you, you lead a small group and some of your small group comes to tears and says like, I never understood how much God loved me. What, what if you could do that if you're singing a song and God's called you and you're a worshiper and, and as you begin to worship, you just watch hands go up or people bow to their knees or whatever and you go, wow, God, thank you for using me. Whatever it is, imagine if we could feel that feeling not because the world clapped for us but because angels in heaven are cheering for what God did 
through us. Man, if we could understand there actually is glory that God intends for us, then the question is very simple. Is the glory that God intends for us enough? Is it enough to be counted among the people of God? Hopefully to experience favor and blessing. Is it enough to know that we are showing God to this world? Is it enough to know there's a glory coming? Is it enough to live in what God has called us to do? See, we're intended for glory. And we're going to chase glory because we long for glory. But if we don't experience the glory God intends, we will chase the glory the world offers. I'm going to tell you that sentence was worthy of more glory than y'all just gave it. I mean, that, that should have been like an amen moment or a ooh, kind of one of those things. Because, listen, that's, that's the truth there. If we don't experience the glory God intends, because God made us for that. If we don't experience that, then we chase what the world has to offer. And the problem with what the world has to offer is it is all counterfeit glory. It looks really good right up until you begin to touch it. And what is counterfeit glory? Well, it's, look, it's mankind for millennia. As long as we have been on the earth, we have deemed certain things to be worthy of pursuit, things that we should want, things that are impressive, but they're all counterfeits. And we get to them and we touch them and they somehow leave us just a little unfulfilled. And so we go after it again, thinking this time it's gonna feel a little better. I want you to imagine $100 bill. I give every one of you a $100 bill, crisp, clean, brand new $100 bill. And you go, whoo, man, this is nice. I can't wait to see what I'm gonna do with this. And then I say, oh, by the way, they're counterfeit. And you go, oh, that feeling at that moment that's what we feel when we go after the glory that the world offers. And it's like grabbing that $100 and going, yes, that's, you don't feel quite right. It's just not quite right. First John lays out every one of these counterfeit glories. Turns out there's only three of them. It says, do not love the world or anything in the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Here's the counterfeit glory the world offers. The first one is pleasure. And I'm gonna give you words that are easier to hold on to. Pleasure simply was talking about these desires of the flesh. And I wanna stop and make sure everybody understands something because it's, it's pretty common for you to go to church and somebody to preach about how you just you shouldn't enjoy pleasure. But I need you to understand something. We are made for pleasure. We are made for pleasure. We are made for beauty. Pleasure isn't bad in and of itself. God is the one who said, let man and woman come together and be one. He's the one that said, be one and multiply. And when he did that, he didn't make us just able to function that way. He made us to enjoy pleasure in that way. It is God's gift to have pleasure in the way that he wants us to have. God is the one that made us to enjoy beauty and to appreciate beauty. He made Adam, he made Eve before they had cheeseburgers and milkshakes. I mean, come on, y'all know him. I, I, I just think that first moment when Adam and Eve looked at each other, they both just went, whoa, God, you are really good. Like your sunset, that was pretty, but woo! You know, I mean, so God intended for us pleasure 
and beauty. The problem is when we lose sight of what God intended for us. When we lose sight of becoming one with one, to enjoy each other, to admire the beauty of each other, even though that beauty changes over time because it becomes more about character and the commitment and what we've had than about our appearance. So when we lose sight of that, then it's replaced by a pursuit of pleasure and a lust for beauty that is fleeting because neither of which ever satisfies. Like that $100 bill, every time you get there, you go, not quite what I thought. Philippians 3 says that many of whom, Paul's talking, many of whom I've, I've often told you and now I have to tell you even with tears, they walk as enemies of the cross of Christ because their God is their belly and their glory, they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. What he's talking about is that they have made everything physical what matters most and they've chased everything physical for pleasure that what God says should be a shame, they take glory in. They take glory in, in all of the things that, that they're making out of being humans, which is how pretty can we be? How good can we look? How much can we look at how someone else looks pretty? And, and, and that sort of thing. And You know, it's the, the whole idea, like we should go to the gym and work out to be healthy. Unfortunately, some of us go to the gym and work out because we want somebody to look at us and go, whoa. And that is a glory that we get, but it's a counterfeit glory because people are impressed with us by chasing pleasure. Second one is possessions. This is the lust of the eyes. It simply is because we want stuff and we never have enough stuff. And we're always trying to get glory by having more stuff. It, Jesus told a parable. He said, there was the land of a rich man and it produced plentifully. And the rich man said, oh, here's what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And then I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. So you just relax and eat and drink and be merry. You see, too often we feel good about ourselves. We give honor to what we've, what we've gained and stuff. And we give honor to each other over stuff. Oh, man, look at you. That, that, man, that's a nice new truck. You got. Oh, look at your TV. That's the biggest TV I've ever seen. Oh, look at you got that house. Oh, my God, look at this. Oh, look at my house. Oh, look at, And we, we take glory for stuff. And we give glory for stuff. Oh, man, I've always wanted a car like that. Is that a, that's a 66 Mustang. Oh, that looks like a, that's, a, that's a sharp. We give and we take glory all over stuff. But it's a counterfeit glory. Because it's just stuff, and it is not going with us when we go to real glory. And the third one, the pride of life, well, it's just about performance. It's about accomplishment. It's about promotion. It's about climbing the ladder more and more. So let's just be honest. We do give glory. We give that unusual honor when people accomplish things. I mean, we are impressed when somebody's been to Harvard instead of Midlands Tech. Come on, y'all, we do. Like, so it goes to you, uh, I went to one year at Midlands Tech. You're like, uh-huh. And somebody says, oh, I graduated with honors from Harvard. We're like, excuse me, would you like a job? I mean, that, we, we just see and give honor to what people have accomplished. Young people, 
We give glory, unusual honor to YouTubers. I mean, like, we, we can't miss an episode they do. We want to grow up and be like them. We've decided we, too, will be a YouTuber because they have so much glory. They have a million or 20 million followers. They are amazing. We're just giving glory because of what they've accomplished. We're impressed by positions. Well, I am the executive vice president of sales and marketing. I mean, it's whatever title that we can put on that that gives us glory, and we take glory in knowing that we've got something impressive to put beside our name. Let me just ask a question, because I hope somebody else is going to ask it. But Jimmy, shouldn't we, shouldn't we honor people who have like, worked hard and done well? The answer is, yeah. Yeah, we should. Matter of fact, what that reveals is their character, hard work ethic, all of which are biblical things that God's asked of us. And the Bible even says, outdo one another in showing honor to each other. That's not the problem. The problem is when wanting and getting glory from people for what we've accomplished defines us. And we begin to trade our families, our health, stress, anxiety, time, energy, all to get a different position simply for more glory. Jesus talked about how as people we tend to love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. It's in John 12. He says, look, people love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. I have to ask you a question because this is what we, we need to look in the mirror and say, well, what do I want to hear most? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or look at him. Wow, look at her. See, it's a counterfeit glory. One is true, and the other is not. Now look, if I've bored you at any point and, and lost you, I want you to come back because the entire message today was really born out of what I'm about to say. As I was doing some pastoral counseling years and years ago, the Holy Spirit kind of showed me something and I began to notice something as I was sitting and working with people who were struggling with the temptation to chase these three counterfeit glories. They, they, were, they were always either after a pleasure thing or a possession thing or a performance thing that would get glory for them. And, and they wanted to break free, but they couldn't break free, and the struggle was intense. And I felt like the Holy Spirit showed me something. What I noticed is that as, as every one of those people sat in my office and talked to me, that they all had a common denominator. They weren't touching the glory God intended for them. So they were chasing the glory the world offered every single time. And so as they're talking about their struggle and what they've tried to break free and they threw that out of the house but went and bought more a week later or they got software for this but then learned how to go around it. I mean, just whatever the, the story was, they, they threw that person's number away but then tracked them down somewhere else. I mean, all the stories of how much they went through, they tried, they hated what they felt 
couldn't stop. I would ask, what do you think God created you for? Like, you, you know, you're God's workmanship. Like, you are you. God made you to be you. He made you unique. To do something in a way that when you do that, that his grace touches this world. It brings him glory. And he shares some of that with you. What do you think God made you to do? What's in you? On your best day, let's just not talk about that thing we were just talking about for a minute, but, but on your good days, the days when you feel like you got a handle on that and God loves you and you're doing everything and it's amazing, what does God, what does he put in you? And they'll, they'll take a moment and usually doesn't take too much for someone to answer that question. Because a lot of us have that secret little thing we know, like, man, that, that would be awesome. And when they tell me what it is, I just ask one question. Are you doing that right now? And the answer is always the same. No. Not really. And I discovered in trying to help people resist the counterfeit glory of the world, the reason it looked so good is because they weren't touching the glory of God. And so, I'll give you an example. I know one of the things, there's more than one, but I know one of the things that God put in me for a purpose-filled life is to get to preach his word. It's one of my great privileges, but I love it. I love it. It doesn't have to be on a big stage. It could be two people in my office. Man, when I see something in the Bible, I love just, go, hey, man, you got you to gotta check this out. Sometimes I just go to Kent's office and say, hey, I was just reading scripture and found this. Man, what do you think of this? I just love to teach the Word of God. And when, when I come off of this stage and I've preached and talked to somebody and somebody comes up to me in the hallway and, and they've got tears in their eyes and say that that message changed my life, when I have somebody in the connections area come to me and say, hey, see that they're giving their life to Jesus. I walk outside, get in my car, and never... Do I think, man, I need a nicer car. I need something that's going to make me look better. Never. At that moment. But don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that I'm above all temptation because, you know, then Tuesday comes around. and you know, Tuesday, you're going to the doctor. You're fighting in traffic. You're running errands. The car door is rattling. The air conditioner doesn't work. And then, then you're like, God, come on. I need some possessions here. I need some glory of the earth. You know, that kind of thing. But... But when I am doing what God made me to do, I don't care about the car. When I go home and look at my wife and say, honey, who has invested her life with me in helping build this church, say, honey, three people gave their life to Jesus this morning in the first service. And we go, yes, it's worth it. At that moment, well, neither of us would care if prettier neighbors came over. You're like, I wouldn't care you're pretty. Get out of here. I love her. You see, when we are touching the glory that God intends us to have, the glory the world offers, that counterfeit stuff, it, it's not tempting. As I was sharing this message with the staff this week, one of them said, so then how does that explain? And they gave a name. It was of a famous pastor. Sadly, there's been more than one. 
who was touching the glory. They were being used in mighty ways. And then they blew it all up to go after counterfeit. And they blew it all up for the sake of pleasure and possession and performance. So how does that line up with what you just preached? Doesn't it kind of say that's not quite right? Actually, here's, here's what that means. It means they did touch the glory that God intended. And then they forgot it was holy. You see, I, I told you how much when I'm on a, if I could use these words, when I'm on a spiritual high that God allowed me to be used by him, it's like, wow, thank you, God. But the minute that you take that for granted, that's the danger. The Bible tells us that God puts every authority in place. You know what that means? God put King Herod to be a king. Apparently, God made King Herod a pretty good speaker. The problem is, when King Herod got up and did what he was created to do, and he touched the glory, he forgot it was holy. I want you to live in the fullness of the glory that God has created you for. So this world can't offer you anything that's a counterfeit. But as we do it, never lose sight of the great privilege it is to have God display his glory through you. We are meant for glory by the God who created us. But that glory is holy. And so I'm going to leave us with a very simple challenge. And that is to look at ourselves and ask a question. Which one reflects your life? Is it the glory that God intends? Or the counterfeit glory the world offers? Because truth is, we, we're chasing glory. And we're catching some of it. The only question is, what kind of glory are we catching? Let me pray for us. God, we... When we, we look at the life you created for us, we absolutely marvel. God, we were fallen. We rebelled against you. We went against your word. And yet, you said, I want you to be blessed as my people. And I want that to be glorious for you. You said, I want you to reveal me to the world. And I want that to be glorious for you. And I'm going to make you able to do something it gives you meaning, and I want that to be glorious for you. God, today we just stand here and say thank you. Thank you, God, for being such a good God. And my prayer for every single one of us in the room, online, wherever we are worshiping, is that we will live in the fullness of the glory that you intend for us, but we'll never forget it's holy. It's yours. You only share it with us. Thank you, God. If you'll just stay in a place of prayer, I want to talk to those who have yet to make Jesus their king. The truth is that's the beginning of experiencing the glory, realizing that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die for you so that you would have 
a future glory, so that you would be counted among his people, so that you would have a purpose-filled life created by God. If you've never made Jesus your king, if you've never made that exchange, I want to help you do that right now wherever you are. Say something like this to yourself and to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you died for me. And now, I want to live for you. I thank you that you love me. I thank you that I'm forgiven. In my simple prayer today, that you fill me with your spirit and give me a glorious life of great meaning in your kingdom. Amen. Everybody help me celebrate. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. If you've made the decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. It's the best decision you'll ever make. If you've been impacted in any way, we'd love to hear about it. Head over to gracelife.church resources where you can share your story and find other tools for following Jesus. We hope you go out and make Jesus famous in your world.